Glad you've joined us. Uh, you can almost uh, feel our emotions in the air. And I want to tell you why. Jesus comes to us with a message. And he says, we started a couple weeks ago. He says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. And we talked about being impoverished. And then the very next thing he says, it's his first sermon, his first big show, first big explanation of who he is. And he says, blessed are, and, and literally I approve of, I give my approval to, I give my blessing to those who mourn. And here's the thing, you and I, we're so much more comfortable to come to a pep rally and to sit in that and, and be excited or not be excited, but to sit in it, but to sit in mourning and to sit in grief and pain. That's difficult to walk with other people into the stuff going on in their life and to imagine what if that was me? What if that was me with that hand? What if that was me and I saw her there? I saw him there. What if it was me and I got to the place where I had to say to Jesus, I, I love my kids more than you and I, I got to give them to you. Well, to, sit, to sit in that for us is painful. And, and so this morning we want to sit together in that because... Because Jesus has some really good stuff for us in, in what he's calling us to. And so we're going to continue this morning with this opposite way to understand the life that Jesus calls us to. And I just want to tell you from the onset, whether you've been here a hundred times or it's your first time, you really have two options this morning. You can either, you can either feel the weight of the air in here and say, oh man, I'm not, I'm not interested in going there. I'm not, I'm not sure if I like that. I mean, the sun is great outside and the vibe in here is pretty dark and I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm going there. Or there's the other way to go and to say, God, I don't understand this at all. I don't understand how, how you could say blessed are those who mourn and I, I don't get it, but I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to sit in it for a minute. You see, you and I typically are the kind of people who, if, if something strikes us as too harsh or too depressing or too negative, we want to turn that page. We want to flip that channel. We want to get the sports center. We don't, want to, we don't want to sit there for long unless it's about us, unless it's so forced itself into our life that we have to deal with it. And so... You might find that you're the kind of person who, and you have really, you have really mourned on a few occasions in your life uh, because it came to you. Your mother died or your, your wife left you or, or something fell apart or, and it came to you, but, and so you mourned for that, but all the time people's marriages fall apart and all the time people's parents die and their kids die and and we seem to get by just fine 
And so today, here's what we just want to track with Jesus in this thing and say, Jesus, do you have something for me as a follower of you? God, we are willing to go into this and to say, if you can teach me something about the life that you have for me, because here's the thing is that Jesus says that, that he came to bring life and life abundant. He didn't come to condemn us, but he came to give us life to free us. And so he knows that when he's saying this. And so as he walks us into this, I, I want to encourage you, enter in. Just in the next 20 minutes as we talk, enter in, okay? Let me pray for us as we get started. God, um, we're here this morning and we love you. We are grateful that you brought us here. Some of us, God, don't know you and are just checking you out. Some of us have known you for a long time and we avoid mourning. We don't want to have anything to do with it. Some of us feel like we have been mourning and we're trapped in it and we don't know the way out of it. And we don't even know if we're mourning. We just feel like we're comatose in life. And so God, to all of us from, from the different chairs that we sit in right here, God, it's my prayer that you would do what your word says, that you would, that you would speak through your word and that God, that you would be alive and real to everyone here listening. God, that your spirit would do the work and would teach and would lead us into what's true and lead us into life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's not a new idea that Jesus introduces. Solomon from years before, hundreds of years before, Bible says the wisest man that ever lived, one of the most powerful, wealthy kings that ever lived, had everything you could want, had every bit of pleasure you could want, had every bit of accomplishment you could want, built kingdoms, had armies, built amazing architectural feats. He had everything. And what he says in Ecclesiastes is this. Ecclesiastes 7, he says this. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. The heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. Why would the wisest man with all the pleasure he could have, with all the accomplishment that he could have, with everything he'd have, why would he say the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning? Why would he say that? You know, as a pastor, I get to be with you at certain times in life more than others. Uh, it just kind of works out that way. And so I get to spend time with you uh, a lot of times in some of the celebrations of life, like weddings and baptisms and baby dedications and stuff like that that are happening today even. And, and then I get to be with you sometimes at your bedside when you're physically broken. And sometimes in death, I get to be with you and your family. And... And if I had to choose one, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but if I had to choose one, one place, one, one of those occasions where, where I was with you, I would take the funeral every time. Not because I enjoy pain. I, and I feel it with you. Not because I enjoy that, but because there is something amazing when a person says, oh God, I... I don't know what to do. I'm broken. God, would you, 
would you remind me that you love me? Would you, would you be here? God, are you there? There's something amazing when someone says, I, I can't do anything about this. You know how it is when you're getting married. Your eyes are glossy and glittery and you don't hear a word, right? <laughs> and, and then when you're broken and you're ready to receive, man, it's all that you can do. You can't suck up every drop. And Solomon says, the house of wisdom is in the house of mourning of that brokenness. So Jesus started out a couple weeks ago and as we talked and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Because literally this, if if your spirit is proud, if your spirit is not poor, if your spirit is full, what do you need? You need nothing, right? And if you don't need anything, then, then there's no room for God in your life. And so in the same way, he comes here and he says, when you mourn, I, I approve of that. I bless that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how we mourn, okay? A little bit about a couple ways to mourn. Because the reality is, is mourning is not something we're normally attracted to. Now listen, we, we know how to mourn when it comes to us. When death comes our way, we know how to mourn. It just does. And some of us, have you ever met the person who is in the middle of the chaos of life? They've got, they got 10 traumatic things happening at once. And... Have you met the person that says, no, I'm good, really. I'm good. No, I'm great. That person, um, they aren't mourning. Even though everyone around them says, man, they should be mourning. They aren't mourning. And what they're losing out on is they're losing out on everyone's ability to, to comfort them, right? To pour into them. And so, but most of us, we get it when, when grief comes our way, when death comes our way. We know how to mourn because it comes into our life. In fact, that's what, what C.S. Lewis said. He said, uh, I found that my life, it was kind of like a house of cards. And mourning came my way. And it just, it knocked the whole thing down. He says, mourning came my way. And it fell apart. The whole thing fell apart. Grief came my way and it shattered my whole picture. He said, it wasn't that I started to question whether or not God existed. He said, it was even worse than that. He said, I knew God existed. And my question was, God, is this, is this all you are? Is this really what you're like? Because here it is. I, I've believed in you. I've done all that. I built this house of cards and, and I get this. You and I know that all too well. My mother-in-law died a couple years ago and Crystal and I had always kind of planned for that to be emotional. My mother-in-law was older. She was 91 almost when she died. And, uh, man, we loved her. And so I knew that for Crystal... It was going to be emotional. What I didn't expect, what I didn't know, is that I was just going to be a wreck for a year. You know what I mean? Just not like a daily wreck, but just emotionally just hurt and missing and grieving. 
And so we mourn. And what mourning looks like, mourning is more than grief. Mourning is kind of that whole picture, that whole thing that we do. The calling hours look like this, and the dress looks like this, and the services look like this, and a few weeks later kind of looks like this. and the heads, It's kind of the whole way we mourn, including the grief of it. And, and so we mourn when it comes to us. And Jesus even does that. You know, Jesus, he had a friend named Lazarus. And they called for Jesus. They said, would you come heal our friend Lazarus? And you know what? He didn't go. It's one of his best friends, the Bible says. He didn't go. It's his friend. And he could have gone and healed him. And it says he waited two days specifically so that he could die. And he got there after he died. And Jesus knew the whole time that the death was going to happen. And he knew the whole time what he was going to do. He was going to raise him from the dead and bring him back to life. And here's what Jesus does. And this is what I want you to hear. He weeps. He mourns greatly with people. You see, because God didn't create us for death, this death that we walk in. The Bible says that God created us in life and there was no sin and there was no conflict between each other. The earth was at peace. It says literally now that the the earth now groans longing for him to restore it. Longing for the day where God will make it all right. And it says literally that, that sin came into the world and death happened. And Jesus comes to Lazarus' funeral and he weeps wholeheartedly mourning because of the death that he saw, the pain that he saw, the pain that he felt at the loss of a friend, even though he knew he was coming back to life. And Jesus raised him from the dead. And you know, eventually, at another time, there was another funeral for Lazarus. And I would imagine that if Jesus was there, he would have wept again and grieved again. And so here's the first thing. Just this natural grieving, if you're the kind of person that avoids it, that drinks it away, that works it away, that whatever you do, man, Jesus says there's something about mourning that he will meet you in. Okay? So embrace that. Go into that. Take a step further than you know into that mourning. Okay? Um, Secondly, next thing is uh, mourning general lostness. Okay, like so there's general hurt and the losses of our life, but then there's there's lostness. Literally what God said is true is that sin has come into the world and we see the effects of it all over. We see it in every headline. We see it in natural disasters. We see it in life conflicts. We see it in wars. We see it in in our culture as we go further and further away from what would be right and moral and serving one another and loving God well and and literally God's word calls us to mourn that Jesus literally he goes into Jerusalem and he he sits over the city of Jerusalem and he says and he weeps he just mourns and weeps for Jerusalem he's like Jerusalem you're so far from what God wants you to be you are so broken God has sent you prophets you've killed them all woe to you man how long Jerusalem and he weeps for Jerusalem Have you wept for Salt Lake? Have you wept for your nation? Have you wept for your world? The statistics on the the board. I mean, they're haunting, aren't they? Daily here, rapes. Thousands here, homeless. Tens of thousands a day die of simple stuff that you and I could pick pick up on the way home at Walgreens. And we drive by and don't even think about it. And people all over the world die all the time from stuff we take for granted. 
4% of the population owns over 50% of all the cash, all the capital in the world. And as one of those 4%, what if, what if I was one of the 96? There's something not right about that. There's stuff that is broken because of sin that we ought to mourn. But again, there's a nice brunch and Nordstrom Rack on the way home too. And all too often, we avoid the mourning and we fill it with something else to take our mind off because we gotta, we got to get to the game. And the game isn't wrong. But if we're always avoiding what is real and what is on God's heart and what breaks him, he says, I'm not going to be able to, to come into your life and what's real that way. All right, so the next thing, go further, is mourning my own lostness. Okay? Um, there is in us uh, when when you, you find yourself away and you find yourself at the, at the end of your rope, you find the effects of sin in your life. You find that, that there's things I've, I've just messed up and they've created brokenness in my life. And, and he says, mourn your own lostness. Paul says it this way. He says, um, he says, I've been following God for a long time and still I end up, I know what I should do and there's times that I don't do it. And I know what I shouldn't do and there's times that I do it. And it's like, ah, oh, who's going to save me from this? Because I have in me, I know that I have this brokenness in me. Who will save me from my sin? And he says, I'm, thank you for Jesus who forgives me. Save me from my sin. And he, he mourns and agonizes. Um, for some of you, you've been walking with Christ for quite a while. And, and maybe you've had this experience. Because I can look in the rearview mirror and I can just say, God, I, oh my, I can't believe I was like that. I'm not quite as much of a, as I used to be. And yet I look right now at Jesus in the face and and I can see how far there is to go and how deep his grace is for me. You see, when we mourn, we don't mourn, oh, those people. Oh, if they would only, if they would clean up their act. No, it's God, forgive us. Forgive our church. Forgive our city. Forgive our nation. Forgive me. Forgive our family. And owning owning the lostness and the brokenness as we mourn. Because have you ever been around people who, who say, oh man, the world, it's going to hell in a handbasket. And those people, that TV, and that, have you ever felt that? That's not mourning. That's judgment and accusation. But there's a difference when I say, God, I know you want so much more for our church. And yet, God, we're, we're all wrapped up in so many things that, that tangle us up and trip us up. So many beliefs that we have that are just, that they, they're killing us. God, forgive us. So many actions where we're, we're hurting each other, we're stabbing each other in the back. Forgive us. As a city, God, there's so many ways that we, we aren't really pursuing you. Forgive us. There's so many things that are still broken. Would you forgive us, Lord? Would you lead us? That's totally different. 
That's owning it. That's me saying, God, would you restore me? Would you bring life to me? I'm mourning. Now, here's why. Here's what he promises. The promise is this. He says, when you mourn, you will be comforted. He says, blessed are those who mourn. I approve of those who mourn. Why? Because they come into this right perspective space. It's the way God looks at it, right? So um, if you come closer to the way God looks at, at it, he says, I can comfort you. Literally, he says the Holy Spirit's name is comfort. Just what he says. He says, it, it's not something he does. It's not a job description. It's not part of who he is. Literally, that his name is comfort. Now, he has some different names, but, but literally, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit's name is comfort. And literally, what God's word says is when you believe in Christ, when you say, when you become poor in spirit and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you spiritually. I need you to, to forgive me. I come to you broken. I need you to forgive me and give me life. When you do that, that literally the Holy Spirit is given to you, that you, that God lives in you, literally, that you become one of his children and he lives in you. And Jesus literally said, hey, we could be best friends forever and we could have matching sweatshirts and I could stand right next to you and do life with you. He says, literally, it'd be better for you to have the Holy Spirit living in you than be BFF. It just would. Literally, it's better to have the Holy Spirit than to have Jesus in flesh right here with us. He says that the comforter, the spirit, will teach us all things, will lead us and encourage us and comfort us. Why? Because life is full of grief. Life is full of pain and we need guiding, we need leading. And so he says, and he will comfort. Um, in Thessalonians, the, Paul is talking to the church and a lot of people have died and he said, don't grieve the way the world grieves. Have you ever been with someone who's grieving and they, they lost someone and because they don't, they don't believe in God. They don't, they don't know if there's life afterwards. They don't know. They don't have the peace of God. They don't have the Holy Spirit in them. And so the Bible says literally that they grieve with a hopelessness because life is over as they knew it, period. And it will never be the same and I'll never see that person again. And Paul says, don't grieve that way. Grieve with the hope that God has given you. Grieve with the hope and the, the confident. Hope is, is not an elusive hope. It's a confident assurance that he is alive and that we will be with him in eternity. And he said, when you grieve that way, you grieve, but it's not life-destroying. And so he says, I will comfort you. And that's really the act of comfort, that the Holy Spirit would comfort us even as we engage that grief. In 2 Corinthians 7, it says this. It says, I am happy. This is Paul again writing to Corinthians. He said, I'm happy not because you were made sorry. He wrote them a letter. What he did is he, he wrote them this first letter, 1 Corinthians, and he called them out on a lot of things that they were just, they were just doing in, in, uh, in defiance of God. And so he said, I'm not happy that you were made sad or sorry, but because your sorrow led to change. Your sorrow led to repentance. Does that make sense? I'm not happy because you were sad, but I am glad that your sorrow, your mourning, turned you to repentance. So they mourned about their sin before God, and it led to repentance. And here's what he says. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so you weren't harmed in any way. Godly sorrow brings change. Godly sorrow, the kind that is... see. Ungodly sorrow, it doesn't change a thing. Ungodly sorrow is, hey, I'm sad about this, but 
I'm going to do it again. I'm sad about this, but I'm going to keep telling this story. And this is the way I'm going to keep living my life. And godly sorrow leads to change. And so he uses that word repentance and he says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, that leads to no regrets. But worldly sorrow, worldly sorrow brings death. That's all there is at the end, end of the trail of worldly sorrow. Sorrow without him. So, so here's what Jesus says. He says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I want to encourage you with a couple of things as we go because... Again, this is, this is hard. And again, if it's your first time, it's not always quite this somber. But at the same time, it might not always be quite this clear to you either. Because Jesus says, man, the stuff of life that's real, take that courageous step and actually grieve it. Actually mourn. And come to me with it. Come to me with it. And he says, I will give you comfort. And so here's how I want to encourage you to do that this week. Uh, This might be a normal-ish kind of thing for you, and this might be a crazy extreme ask. I want to ask you to pick a day this week where you you do an experiment. I, I want to encourage you to pick two blocks of time, a half an hour to 45 minutes. Okay, two half hours, two 45 minutes, something like that. Different time uh, of the day. And I want to encourage you to somehow um, set your day such that you have no distractions and you literally take this uh, to God and literally just take a pen and paper and, and, and say, God, what am I supposed to mourn about? If I'm supposed to mourn, what am I supposed to mourn about? If you've never prayed before, that, that is praying. God's word says praying is talking to God. Talk to God. Say, God, and some of you are even going to say it this way. God, I, I don't even know if you're real. I don't even know if you're there. Um, but if this is real, and, and if you are, God, is there something I'm supposed to mourn about? Is there something I'm supposed to be upset about? Because mourning is, it, it's upset you, right? It kind of grinds on you. It, it devastates you. What devastates you? See, if all, of your, if all you're ever devastated about is, is stuff that has to do with your entertainment or stuff that has to do with your ease or your pleasure. God, what do you want me to mourn about? And I want you to sit with that for 30 minutes. Maybe write some thoughts out. Ask God literally, what am I supposed to mourn about? Maybe what am I supposed to mourn about in our family? Maybe there's brokenness in your family that that you ought to mourn about. Maybe there is stuff in your street that you ought to mourn about. You know that family and you've wanted to, you kind of say you care about them, but you've never stopped by. What am I supposed to mourn about? What am I supposed to get upset about God? And just sit with that for 30 minutes. Okay? And just write out your thoughts. Literally talk to God and expect that he will... He'll lead you and guide you. What am I supposed to mourn about? And then, and think about it. Think about it in your family, in your life, in your street, in your city. Okay? Don't even go beyond your city. You got plenty. In 30 minutes, you can't even get through all that. What am I supposed to mourn about? What am I supposed to bring to you, God? And then, there's a psalm. 
your second half hour later in the day. Think about it. Pray about that stuff that you're mourning about. And then Psalm 91, later in the day. I want Write it down. Yep, Psalm 91. Um, take Psalm 91 and, and just read it. Read it a couple of times. And say, as you do it, say, God, would you comfort me? And allow God to minister to you and use his word. God says his word is like a knife. It says it's two-edged. And a knife, we don't think of a knife as a, a tool of life, but it's more like a surgeon's knife, cutting out what shouldn't be there and leaving life. And so allow his word to be like a surgeon's knife and to bring life.